0: Welcome to our missions course here at Bible 45. The course is entitled A Light to the Nations. And this first lesson is entitled Motivation and Mandate for World Missions. Motivation and Mandate for World Missions. Here's the question. What is the motivation that we have for world missions? And the answer is that our motivation comes from God Himself. World missions originated with God. Our God is a missionary God. And let's turn to Isaiah 49, verses 5 to 6, to investigate that claim that our God is a missionary God. How can you say that? Well, as we look at this text, we will see that God is speaking to His people, Israel, and He says the following in Isaiah 49, verses 5 to 6. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be His servant, to bring Jacob back to Him, And that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. In verses 5 and 6, We read that God will make us a light for the nations to make his salvation known to the nations. Here we see the missionary heart of God revealed in the desire that all nations would know the salvation of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the motivation for missions begins with God. And that's in fact what Galen Van Rienen says in his article, Motivations for Ministry, for Missions, as you'll see in your notes. Number one, the motivation for missions is God. It's, it's His mission. He is the source of mission. We understand that from the scripture that we just read. We understand that from the fact that the mission that we have to see salvation go to the nations originated in the mind of God. It flowed in God the Son being sent by God the Father to enact that mission And then God the Father and God the Son sending God the Holy Spirit to empower us for that mission. Number two, the motivation for mission is Christ Himself. He is the message of the mission. We're going to explore that further next week. Christ came proclaiming the kingdom of God. This is the mission. And He came proclaiming that kingdom. He Himself is the message. He said, I have come to bring salvation to the nations. Number three, the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, now God the Holy Spirit. This mission is encapsulated in God Himself, in the Godhead, in the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit is the power for the mission. What a motivation we have for the mission when God, who dwells within us as we are in Christ, as we are inhabited by the Holy Spirit, births in us a desire to go to other nations to go and bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church, the church is a motivation for the mission. Why? Because the church is the embodiment of God's mission. Think about that for a second. The church is the embodiment of God's mission. The church is the result of God's mission. We even find the church in the Old Testament. Paul tells us in Corinthians that Israel was the church in the wilderness. So the church embodies God's mission. Wherever you see the church pop up, there you see evidences of God's mission. God's mission succeeding in the preaching of Jesus Christ. And finally, what is the motivation for mission? Notice, this is, this is number five, and it is a motivation, but notice that it's number five. The world is the motivation for the mission. The target of the mission is the world. For Jesus himself said, go to the ends of the earth. All right, so there's the motivation for missions. But what is the mandate for missions? Al, where do you find the mandate for missions? Well, the mandate for missions is found in Christ's five-fold commission. Christ Jesus God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, gave his church a five-fold commission to go out and make disciples. And we see the importance of world missions and that we have this five-fold commission Where do we find this five-fold commission? Well, it begins in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 says the following, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Next, Mark chapter 16 Verse 15, Jesus says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What I love about this is God the creator is saying, I want to restore my creation that was originally designed to image my glory, to have my glory be seen. And now I'm bringing Christ who will restore us as image bearers and ultimately restore all of creation. You do know that the creation will be restored. You do know that part of this mission is that God will restore everything back to how He originally created it to display His glory. We know that from Romans, that creation itself groans to see the children of God brought in. So this mission, man, comes tumbling down to us from the very first day, from the very first moment of creation. And and it comes to us from the fall, and it comes to us from all the Old Testament prophets, and it comes to us from Christ Jesus. And we are those that are on mission, God's mission, to see the world restored back to Him in Jesus Christ. Luke 24, 45 to 49, one of my favorite articulations of the Great Commission. I love this, verse 45. Then He, Christ, opened their minds. These are the disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus and didn't understand who it was. And after Jesus revealed Himself to them, He then opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, to understand the mission of God. Verse 46 of Luke 24. And He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins shall be proclaimed "...in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem." From Jerusalem. That would have been a bit unusual for a Jew. The nations, uh, the, 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 the goyim, the, the, the non-Jew, the ones who were cursed in their minds... Jesus constantly spoke of going to the nations because he was fulfilling God's call on Abraham back in Genesis 12 that he says, through you, Abraham, a Jew, and ultimately your seed, Jesus Christ, a Jew, I will bless the nations. That's the mission. That's the mission. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things and behold I am sending the promise of the Father, we know that is the Holy Spirit, upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. John twenty twenty one is another commission. Here's one of the five fold great commissions of Christ. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Man, don't, don't blow by that text. John 20, 21 as the Father has sent me so I am sending you. Think about that. How did the Father send Jesus? He sent him to incarnate, to be God in the flesh, yes, to die for our sins, we can't do that. To live a perfect life, we can't do that. To rise from the dead, we will one day rise from the dead because Christ rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. But as the Father sent the Son, the Son came with the gospel. The Son came preaching the kingdom of God. And that's how we're sent, with the gospel, preaching the kingdom of God. And then, of course, Acts 1, 7 through 7-8. He, Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Had a wonderful conversation yesterday with a Muslim. And we were talking about the tragedy that occurred here in South Florida recently with the shootings at Stoneman Douglas. And he said to me, things are getting really bad the end is coming. And I asked him, well, does the Quran speak of the end coming? He said, yes, of course. I said, well, does the Quran speak of Jesus returning? He said, yes, I actually, I think it does. He says, because after all, you know, he didn't die on the cross. I said, oh, really? He said, no, what, what happened was, was in the scuffle, they substituted another person to die on the cross, and then God just took Jesus up into heaven so, of course, Jesus is going to come back. And, and I paused and I thought, okay, Lord, give me wisdom here. And I said, I said, you know, his name is Sahir. I said, you know, Sahir, there actually was a substitution that occurred on the cross. But it's a little different from what you described. Because actually what happened on the cross is that you and I and every sinner on earth deserve to die on that cross. And there was a substitute placed there. It was actually Jesus Christ. So that we might live. Which then opened up a whole nother line of conversation about sin and whether Christ was God and could God die. But here's the point. Jesus is the one who says, look, don't worry about the times and seasons. The end times are coming. Yes, of course. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And then here we go again, to the end of the earth. I mean, for a Jew, even Samaria was a little bit iffy. They were the half-breeds. They were the ones that weren't really, truly Jews. But the ends of the earth? That's the mission. See, herein lies the mandate for world missions. It is to image our God as his image bearers and to bear his mission. To bear his mission. So I want us to have some terms kind of fixed in our mind for this class. And you may or may not agree with how I'm going to define some of these terms. For for the sake of this class, so we're all singing off the same sheet of music, we're all understanding the same truths when we use these words, I'd like to define some key words for you. There's five of them. And the first word is missiology. So on your notes there, if you just want to write next to missiology, simply stated, missiology is the study and practice of missions. Missiology is the study and practice of missions. We're going to team teach this course, Kevin Abegg and myself. And the reason is because Kevin Abegg is actually a missionary. So he's going to talk a lot about the practice of missions. But it's also very important to understand the theology of missions, to understand the biblical ground for missions. So, missiology is the study and practice of missions. Number two mission. Mission. Here we're going to define mission as follows. Mission is the the larger mission of the church or, so when I say mission, you can put here the larger mission of the church or the mission of God upon which He sends the church. The mission of God upon which he sends the church. It's going to be very important to make some distinctions here in this class. We are all on mission with the gospel. We are all on mission with the gospel. The, The mission of God upon which he sends the church. We are the church. It involves all that the church does in obedience to the divine command. Such as healing the sick, feeding the poor, Teaching the illiterate. Obviously, it begins with preaching the gospel and establishing churches. Remember, the church is the articulation of the mission. In a broad sense, this is all that God would have us do as Christians and as churches. It's a comprehensive term of all the church does to bring sinners to, justify, to a justified state in Christ. And it certainly includes good works of mercy, social ministries. It includes being salt and light. So by way of review, the mission we're talking here is the mission of God, starts with God, upon which he sends the church. All right, let's talk about missions. How would we define missions? And the way we're going to define missions here is is in in a somewhat narrow way. And here it is. You ready? Missions is going beyond the boundaries. That word boundaries is important. Missions is going beyond the boundaries of my culture, language, and worldview. Missions is going beyond the boundaries of my culture, language, and worldview to take the gospel to gospel-destitute areas. So mission is going beyond the boundaries of my culture, language, and worldview to take the gospel, we're going to talk about that message next week in a little more detail, to take the gospel to gospel destitute areas. Gospel destitute areas. This would include the broad... Uh, 1040 window that runs from roughly western Africa all the way through Asia, right around that area of the North African zone, up around where India and, and Southeast Asia and all that area, that 1040 window that is largely packed with unreached people groups. But it also includes areas where the gospel is barely known. I think of Latin America that never experienced the Reformation. And there are whole cities, there are whole places that have never heard the gospel. Sure, they have a, a syncretic compilation of Catholicism and maybe some Indian religions or in the Caribbean some African religions, animism, whatever. But what you see is not the gospel in the church. And you rarely get to hear the gospel. It includes those regions. It includes the unreached peoples that live in South Florida. Absolutely. But per se, missions is going beyond the boundaries of my culture, language, and worldview to take the gospel to gospel-destitute areas. Number four, a missionary. This perhaps will be the most controversial uh, definition I'm going to give you. Certainly open to discussion about this later. But we're going to define a missionary, first of all, before we go into missionary, let's, let's take this word mission, okay? Or missions. Let me go back. Let me drop back for a second and give you some background. So that word mission or missions, it comes from a stem in Latin called metho, which means to send. And it's actually, that comes from the Greek word apostello, apostello, which means to send. To send. So this idea of being sent uh, uh, one theologian, one missiologist by the name of Olson w- would say that, that, that basically missions is the whole task, endeavor, and program of the church of Jesus Christ to reach out across geographical or cultural boundaries by sending missionaries so that whole word mission missions, missionary has this component of sending, God came he sent his sons, it's got to start with God, it's got to start in the Godhead it doesn't start with us doesn't start with the need. starts with God. God sent. He's a missionary God. He sent His Son. So this idea of sending is very much included in missions and missionaries and mission. So the, the focus here is, is on sending. But a missionary, I think, is most tightly defined around that Greek word apostello. Apostello. Which means to send. Or one Sent. The apostles were sent. Their task was to declare what they had seen and what they had heard and what they had experienced. So a missionary, we're going to define a missionary this way. A missionary is one who is sent with the gospel to those who do not have the gospel. One who is sent with the gospel to those who do not have the gospel. And I would would broaden that or have... Precious little testimony of the gospel. Okay, one who is sent with the gospel to those who do not have the gospel, and this involves cross-cultural, linguistic, and worldview barriers. And this involves, so I'm saying this is part of the definition: cross-cultural, linguistic, and world barriers that are overcome. So here's the question: Should all of us be termed as missionaries? I would say no. That is an over-generalization that is not helpful. Are we all on mission with the gospel? I would say yes, absolutely. That's where you have got to define our terms very tightly. But, but, the way we're using this term missionary for this course, it's more than just an ambassador or a witness for Christ. We are all that. But a missionary is one who crosses cultural, cross-cultural boundaries. A missionary is a person or a people who are set apart to go to people different than them, who have no specific gospel witness. That's why we're defining it this way. A missionary is one who is sent with the gospel to those who do not have the gospel, and this involves cross-cultural, linguistic, and worldview barriers. The scripture that I think of and, and moves my heart, and moved my heart this weekend as I was preparing for this course is what it says in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 is a a, a chapter that is so filled with God's mission. And in verse 13, we read the following. Romans chapter 10. We read, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Alright, that's good news. There's the mission, right? People being saved, and saved in Christ alone, by faith alone, because of God's grace alone, and based on their proclamation of faith alone, That God's glory would be seen alone in the restoration of creation, both human beings, image bearers, and creation itself. And the church is being built. But look at verse 14 of Romans 10. How then will they call on him? Right, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yay! But verse 14 asks the question. But how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Postello. Sent. As it is written. And this is a quote now from Isaiah. We started the course with Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How can... Sheik Zaire's family hear the gospel as Muslims in India when no one is there to preach the gospel to them? Someone has to go. How can the thousands and millions and dare I say billions, maybe not, there's one billion in India, a little over a billion in China, the vast majority, not only are not Christians, have never heard of Christ. They have not heard of Him. How are they going to hear? How are they going to call on the Lord if no one goes and preaches? We dare not blunt the urgency, the dynamism, the passion. Yes, the passion of that by saying we're all missionaries. We're all on mission, absolutely. But we're not all missionaries. Some are called to go and we need to send them. We need to be willing to go. I believe that's the passion of God. Without guilting anybody, without, you know, because the opposite is also true. I grew up in a missions environment. I was saved and I was brought into the ministry in a time where a guy named Keith Green was very, very common and prevalent. I went to an institution called Christ for the Nations. Does that give you a hint of what we were all about? And I remember hearing this preached from our pulpit everybody is called to go, shaming people if they don't go. You only can stay if you're called to stay. I think that's mistaken. Everyone is called to be on mission with the gospel. Absolutely. Everyone is called to make disciples. But not everybody is called to be a missionary. Because what happens is if we do that, it A, dilutes it. B, I think then some people are sent that aren't really missionaries. And and that leads us to point five, or or the fifth uh, definition, incarnational. This definition perhaps is the most revealing of all the ones that we've talked about. See, we've got to understand missions as incarnational because that's how it began. God incarnate. God incarnate. He didn't just send his prophets. He didn't just send his, 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 his kings and his leaders or whatever. No, no. He himself came to earth incarnate that is at the foundation of mission that's why we can say and we must say god our god is a missionary god so this is what we're going to define incarnational incarnational here is the the, the term incarnational is this incarnational encapsulates the truth that missionaries are ones who go to live amongst those to whom they are sharing the gospel Missionaries are ones who go to live amongst those to whom they are sharing the gospel. Missionaries are those, are ones, who go to live amongst those to whom they are sharing the gospel. This refers back to our Lord. He came to live amongst us. The Word dwelt amongst us. John 1.1. As a matter of fact, I just want to read John 1.1 because I think John 1.1 is a wonderful missions passage. John 1.1 1, 1. in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God John intentionally mirrored Genesis 1 in the beginning creation John 1.1 1, 1. in the beginning recreation in the beginning God in the beginning the Word the Word is God. The Word is Jesus, God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, there's creation. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, a light to the nations. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This true light is Jesus. He came as a witness, verse 7, speaking of John, to the light. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone has come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Circle that. John one fourteen. If you want to know incarnational, why we're talking about it this way, why missionaries go and live amongst the people to whom they're reaching, it's verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory. Glorious of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, what missionaries do is they go to live with the people and they say that the glory of God has been restored in my life because Christ has saved me and I have been restored back to the place of being an image bearer, to being a displayer of God's glory. I display the glory of God and the glory of God is found in Christ. The glory of God is found in the cross. Huh? What's the cross? As I spoke to Sheikh Hassan uh, yesterday, he was saying, why the Cross, that's a shame. How can God die? So no, let's have a conversation about this. That that God actually displays His glory at the cross. Actually, the way our conversation ended yesterday, He says nowhere in the scriptures does it say that Jesus claimed to be God. And I said, well, it does in the New Testament scriptures. He says, ah, but not in the Quran. I said, okay, but let's talk about the New Testament scriptures, and then let's talk about where it says where Jesus says before Abraham was. I am, where Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And let's talk about why they killed him. Because he claimed to be equal with God. Alright, so what am I doing with Sheikh Hassan? I'm simply, hopefully, prayerfully, as I'm drinking the coffee that he prepared for me, very hospitable man, trying to display the glory of God, A, hopefully in my life as he gets to know me, and B in the truth, right? Grace and truth. This is what a missionary does. He doesn't just declare the truth. He must do that. Never less than that. But he demonstrates the truth. He lives out the truth. He goes to Indonesia, and he lives among the Indonesian people who claim to be Muslims, but still have animistic uh, 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 strains in their culture. And they still have shamans who are somehow having this power over the the spirit world and still would would worship at times rocks secretly or things secretly that protect them and are still trying to figure out how they can keep all the evil spirits around them from harming them. There was a fire in Indonesia several years ago in one of their slums. And it burned every house down except for the shaman's house. The shaman is simply a person who has a special ability to connect with the spiritual and to be able to manipulate the spiritual so the people get good things. And so the people said, wow, this shaman, is, see that proves to you that he's connected with the spiritual but because he, his house wasn't burned down. Well, here's the deal, folks. Everybody else's house in that shanty town was built of wood and paper and cardboard. The shaman's house was the only house that was built of concrete blocks. So the fire was so fast and blew by so quickly, it charred the blocks but didn't burn the shaman's house down. So how do you come into Indonesia and speak to Muslims, and they are Muslims, it is a Muslim country. It's actually the largest Muslim country. But Muslims that have animism, that they're still functioning at a level with animism, just like in the Catholic world, right? If you're from Cuba, you know that you have You have Catholicism, and you have Santeria. You have this sort of syncretism of the two. So they claim to be Christians, but they still are afraid of the spirits. How do you come into that world and preach the gospel? You do it by living amongst them. You do it by saying to an Indonesian mother, who perhaps has been saved by God's grace, and asks you, how do I protect my children from the evil spirits that I think are in everything around me? if I don't go to the shaman. And you say to that mother, just like I protect my six little blonde-haired children that are with me right now, or if they're not blonde-haired, whatever, by speaking in terms of blessing and cursing, speaking in terms of the God of all creation, speaking of Jesus who holds it all together, and then living it out when there's an outbreak of cholera, living it out when there's the danger Uh, from the Muslim extremists living it out and saying this is how you live it and saying this is Jesus. You see the missionary must be the one who goes and declares and demonstrates the gospel and so I know Kevin would agree with this What, what is the reason for our class? The reason for our class is this, that Palm Vista Community Church would not only be a church that is on mission with the gospel but a church that embraces missions and missionaries and a church that increasingly has a vision for all the earth and a church that is excited about identifying and raising up missionaries and sending out missionaries across cultural, linguistic, and certainly worldview barriers. That we would understand how to, to support the missionaries in our midst, beginning with the Abegs and others that are here temporarily, that are, that are preparing to go out to the field. Why? Because this is what God's doing. This is what God's doing. And we want to be doing what God's doing, church. We want to be doing what God's doing. So let's pray. Let's ask God for his blessings on us as we continue this course in the weeks to come. Father, I pray that you would give us much grace as a church. Lord, it is exciting for those of us that have dipped our toes in the waters of world missions. We've spent a little time overseas some of us have actually entertained the thought of being missionaries overseas and what it would like, be like to live in North Africa and Morocco amongst the people, not only declaring but demonstrating the gospel. Lord, we, we pray that we would be a church that is alive with the passion for the peoples of the earth. As Corey said last week, Lord, that we would care about that, that, that Christian in Turkey on the border with Syria that their suffering and their fears would be ours Lord, that we would be fueled with the passion this is your heart Lord, I know that every time we send a missionary team out for short term missions they come back with more passion they come back excited something is deposited in Palm Vista when we embrace the mission and sacrifice for the mission and give for the mission Lord, we do it not to try to to gain something we do it because we delight in you this is your delight May it be our delight, Father. May we delight in you. And you will give us the desires of our hearts. You'll give us the resources, the people, the finances. And on that day, we will rejoice with those standing to our left and our right from different cultures, different languages, and even formerly different worldviews who are now worshiping Jesus, you, the King of kings the Lord of lords. For you are the Lord of the mission. It is your mission. God, help us. God help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.